chapter 20 this morning. That's good. Tonight's going to be a little crazy, so come or not come. I'm preaching on the trans-savior tonight. You say trans-savior? Well, it's not what you think it is, I promise you. <laughs> it's a play on words. Amen. He was, he was a man is what he was. Amen. Acts chapter number 20, I heard about an old boy the other day, asked his wife, he said, honey, he said, what would you do if I won the lottery? She said, well, she said, I'd take half of it, divorce you and leave you. He said, well, he said, I just want you to know I just hit it. He said, I won 12 bucks, here's six dollars. He said, stay in touch. <laughs> I can't never go see Melvin, they start that stuff. Acts chapter number 20. 
I got a bad joke and bought a gun this week. <laughs> Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. <laughs> in Acts 20, and we're going to start reading in verse number 6 this morning. <laughs> verse number 6. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and came unto them to Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber, where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, He sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. What a great passage of... uh, wild story in the Bible, and in this story you find a guy named Eutychus, who's a young man. The name Eutychus means fortunate, and no doubt he was very fortunate because he died and Paul resurrected the dead, and so it worked out pretty good for him that day. But anyway, um, in this passage you find several different things. As a matter of fact, this church seemed that they had things going the right way. If you just looked on the outside and you saw what the church was doing, it looked like it was pretty good. I mean, for one thing, we see this church was faithful. If you'll notice here in the passage, the Bible says in verse number 7, and upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together. I'll say this morning, this church was very faithful because they met on the first day of the week. No doubt this church came together when they were supposed to come together. There used to be a time that the first day of the week was set aside for God. Now let me just say the Bible scripturally tells us to meet together on the first day of the week. There's no doubt about that. We're not just deciding, well, Sunday, we'll just pick that day out. The Lord was resurrected on the first day of the week. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16 that we're commanded to take up the offering on the first day of the week. There's many things about that. We find in, in, in Acts chapter number 20 that they preached on the first day of the week. So everything that you see in the New Testament after the resurrection of Christ is always on the first day of the week. Oh, they might have gone on the Sabbath and preached to the Jews in the synagogues, but the, the meeting time was the first day of the week. And they came together. Let me just say, nothing's changed in the last 2,000 years. The meeting time should, should, should still be the first day of the week. I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. And so I'm not after you one bit. We've got some folks that aren't here. I'm not after them either. They're very faithful. Some of them's on vacation. Other places that don't bother me one bit. They'll be back just as soon as they get back, just like they always are. And thank God for them. But what I'm saying is, America has turned their back on the first day of the week. Did you know that there was a time where people no longer... and pe- What are y'all laughing at? I got tucked in my sock or something here. Amen. I'm up people laughing at me on the front row. I'm used to it, but anyway, I didn't know what it was this time. It could have been worse than, a, than, a, than that tucked in a sock. So anyway, that's good. <laughs> a pants leg in a sock. But anyway, there was a time in America where the first day of the week was shut down except for church time. 
And I'm, I mean, I'm just as much the problem as anybody else. You know what I'm going to probably do today? I'm going to go out to eat somewhere, more than likely. I mean, that's just the way it is. But you know what happens? You have that stuff, the, the people working, they can't come to church. It just messes everything up. We got, do have a new restaurant in town. And uh, uh, Stuart and Terry there, mainly Terry, I believe. But anyway, <laughs> but we got a good restaurant right up here by the railroad tracks. They got, they're going to have, I've toured that the other day. They're going to have great breakfast. They'll be open tomorrow, I think, breakfast and lunch and all that kind of stuff. They're here today. I appreciate that. I'm very thankful for that. But I'm excited that, that we got people coming to church that's putting in a restaurant. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help them if I can. I'm gonna, they'll help me probably more than I'll help them because I'm going to eat their product. <laughs> but anyway, but, but you know what? There used to be a time if you wanted to go out to eat on Sunday, you could just forget it. There wasn't anything open. I read about those old preachers and those old evangelists. I remember reading about them, and I heard one preacher preach, and I was listening to a sermon from 50 years ago that was recorded. Other, and he said, yeah, he said, I'm in evangelism. And he said, you know how it is. He said, I was preaching at a church Saturday night, got home. And he said, I got home about 11 o'clock, and I started to get undressed. I knew I had to go to another church the next morning. He thought, oh, my, I didn't fill the car up with gas. He said he got back, back up out of bed at 11 o'clock at night, went out and filled the car. He said, if I'd waited till the next day, there wouldn't have been a gas station open. He said, I had to get it full. He said, that's just the way it is. He said, we used to prepare our meals on Saturday. He said, nothing, everything shut down on Sunday because Sunday was God's day. That's the way it used to be. But America today, we've, trans, uh, we've moved uh, the first day of the week into everything else. And, I, and we're all guilty. I'm not preaching against you. I'm just saying I'm as guilty as anybody else. We're all in the same boat. But there used to be a time where the first day of the week meant something. And people use that day to remember their God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Well, that's what it ought to be. It ought to still be that way. How many of you remember, stand up if you lived during a time where everything shut down on Sunday? I want these kids to say that. I'm <laughs> That's right before my time. Look at that. There wasn't nothing open, was there? It's just the way it went. Oh, you young be seated. Just in case you kids think I'm just blowing, it wasn't very long ago. It went, you say, well, it looks like some of them is a long time ago. No, no. It wasn't very long ago. <laughs> Believe me. It's just changed. But I'm telling you, Sunday ought to mean something to us. These people, they were faithful. I found out something else about this little church here. They were in fellowship. The Bible says they broke uh, bread together. Another place when it says they broke bread, it says over in Acts 2, it says that they went house to house and did eat their meat with singleness of heart. They were eating fellowship meals. And two Sundays, we're going to have a big fellowship meal. Uh, two Sundays from today, we've, you say, why y'all, who decided that? We decided in Sunday school this morning. Amen. You know what? I've never had any problems saying, why don't we have a meal today and anybody complain? I mean, everybody's like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, Brother Randy Bailey, when he was my assistant, he used, I'd, we'd go somewhere and we'd go to a hospital or something. I'd say, you know, I'm getting kind of hungry. Why don't we pull off over here and go eat? He said, he, he said, it sure, he said you sure make it easy to follow my pastor. <laughs> I mean, it's easy when you start talking about food. But see, a church ought to fellowship together. They broke bread together. Our best friends ought to be at church. We ought to fellowship with one another. Fellowships when you get in the same ship with somebody else. We ought to be in the same ship this morning. We're on the same side. We ought to be glad that we can fellowship. That's what that church did. This church was also fervent. You say, what do you mean they were fervent? Paul preached to them. He didn't just preach to them. He preached till midnight, if I read it correctly. That's a long-winded preacher. Some preachers preach by the calendar instead of the clock, you know. Some preachers, like Brother Tony Hudson's preaching for us, he said, that little boy said, 
Mama, what's it mean when the preacher keeps doing like this right here? She said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's the way it is somewhat. One guy, he went to church one day, and about half the, the preacher was known to be long-winded, and halfway through, he got up and left. And anyway, about an hour and a half into the sermon, you know, that night he came back, and the preacher said, why don't you leave during the middle of my sermon? He said, I needed a haircut. He said, a haircut? He said, couldn't you have gotten that before you came in? He said, I didn't need one when I came in. <laughs> That's the way it is sometimes. <laughs> they were fervent is what they were. Paul preached unto them. They liked preaching. I just have a feeling that Paul wasn't a sissy preacher either, don't you? He preached till midnight. Nobody even got mad about it. Don't worry, my voice won't last that long. I preached Friday night uh, like a Comanche Indian anyway. <laughs> my voice is about gone right now, but that's all right. That, that might make a lot of people happy. <laughs> but they were, see? I need to change my sermon this morning now. <laughs> There's a particular area right over in here. I about got it pinpointed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he just thought, well, I thought everybody else say amen too. <laughs> That's bad, ain't it? Be sure your sin will find you out. <laughs> anyway, this man in this passage named Eutychus, one guy said you would have cussed too if you'd fallen out of the third window. <laughs> That's not really good, but anyway, just a joke. You know, joke. You say, well, what about him? What happened to this man? Everything's good in this passage except for this one guy that's mentioned by name. Paul's mentioned by name, but as far as the congregation is concerned, concerned there's only one person that's mentioned by name. And it didn't work out too good for him. Now people might say, well, what in the world happened to him? And I'll say this, and it's old saying, he had more hanging out than he had hanging in. That's what happened to him. Eutychus had more hanging out than he had hanging in. You could say that he lived life on the edge. There's a lot of people that way. They live life on the edge. They've got more hanging out than they've got hanging in. You might fit in that this morning. You may not. I don't know. But I'm going to preach for a little bit. You know, Dr. Betts, he's not here today. They'll be back. They'll probably be back next week, but they're out of town. A couple Sundays ago, he got me out there. I, was, I couldn't even move my neck. And he, I mean, he adjusted me, worked me over. He went up my back, he goes, oh, there's a problem right there, ain't it? I'm like, well, he can feel it and see it. You know, he knows it. You say, why? Because he's a trained professional. He knows what he's doing with the vertebrae and that kind of stuff. He's a chiropractor, and he feels that. And there's other places that aren't that way. And sometimes when a preacher gets preaching, he can kind of feel a little kink like that too. Say, oh, I feel a little problem right there. You know what it needs? Sometimes it just needs a little adjustment. You get that adjustment, you get straightened right back out, and everything's good. <laughs> and so this morning, I'm going to preach, and I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching because the Lord laid this on my heart, but I think it'll be something we all need to hear. I'm going to preach, I guess you could say, he had more hanging out than he had hanging in. That's a good enough title as I can think of. Let's pray. Father, we come to you thanking you for all you do for us. Lord, it's good to be in your house this morning. I'm thankful for each one that's here. It's always good to have folks visiting with us, and Lord, I pray they don't just stay visiting, but they make this their church, and Father, I'm excited about what you're going to do in the upcoming weeks and as school's starting back and everybody gets back in their routine, it's, I know it's going to be good and I'm really uh, excited about what you're going to do. And Lord, I pr I'm excited about what you might do today. I'm thankful for the one that was saved last week. I'm thankful for those that are being baptized. I'm thankful for all that you're doing. 
And Lord, I pray that you might help me preach and give me power from on high. And Lord, we need your help this morning. I just pray that you might touch people's hearts and reel them in this morning, Father, if they need to be. Thank you for all you do for us. And Lord, I pray we'll have more hanging in than we have hanging out. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's a few observations that I've got from this guy and from this place, mainly from this guy's life. And you say, well, what are they? Well, look in verse 9. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. Let me say one of the observations that I got from this guy, he was a young man. I don't know a lot about him, Brother Paul, but I know he was young because the Bible says so. I hate to say it, it's just the way that it is. But the dumbest phase of a person's life is when they're young. You do dumb stuff. I've had, it, I've had them do it before. If you're a teenager, stand up again. Stand up, teenagers. That means you're, if you're, let me explain that, 13, 14, 15. If it has teen after your age, you're a teenager. 13, 14, 15. Don't make me come back here. I will. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Don't get mad at me. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I'm going to be honest with you because I've been that way. You're part of the dumbest group of people on the face of the earth. You're dumb. I'm sorry. I love you and I care about you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. But what I'm trying to say is, I used to be you. When I was, Don't sit down now. When I was a little boy, my daddy knew everything. I mean, it didn't matter what problem I had. I could go to daddy or mama, either one of them. They knew everything. It didn't matter what it was. They were smart. They were smarter than anybody. But boy, I got to be about 13 or 14, and I don't know what happened to my mama and daddy, but they got dumb. I mean, really dumb. They didn't know anything anymore. And to come to find out, I was smarter than they were. At least I thought I was. And it didn't matter what they told me. They didn't know anything. But you know what happened? That's called the fog period. That's when you're in a fog and a daze. You're too stupid to know anything. I, mean, I got a little bit older, and I realized mama and daddy got smart again. Y'all can sit down. I was 21 years old. I came in the house and I said, Daddy, where are you at? He said, I'm back here in the bedroom. And it's during the day. He'd come home for something and, I, and, I, and I'd come home for something. And I said, you know what? I said, I think I'm getting some wisdom. He said, how's that? I said, I just realized I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, you'll never understand anything until you don't know anything. <laughs> and that's how I was. I just realized all of a sudden I didn't know anything. And let me tell you, that's a good place to get in life right there. But you know, as a teenager, you're not that way. It's not that way at all. You take teenagers, they think they're cool, and older people are looking at them like, wow. <laughs> you're dumb, man. <laughs> and you don't even know you're dumb. That's what's so bad about it. You get to that place where you go with your mom and daddy, and you go, don't embarrass me. You're embarrassing me. Quit embarrassing me. My wife said that when she was a kid, Brother Paul, her daddy worked for Terminex. And he worked for Terminex. He had one of those, those, back then they had the big bug trucks. You know what I'm talking about? He'd take her to school in that bug truck. Daddy, don't take me to school. <laughs> no. You know what? I bet it wouldn't bother you now, would it? No. She likes to go anywhere with her daddy. He don't embarrass her one bit. You say, why? Because she got out of that dumb stage. That's what happened. That's, that's the way it goes. And you know what? We're all that way. That's just how we are. It, things change. Things are different. They're not like they are anymore like they used to be things that used to embarrass you they don't embarrass you now but boy when you're a teenager man you that's done you know what the bible says it says remember thy creator in the days of thy youth 
Meaning that for some reason, people when they're young, they forget Him. They forget God during that time. And some of you are probably in that way. You've forgotten God. Let me tell you, God's more important than any sport you ever play. God's more important than any girl you ever talk to. Or any boy you ever talk to. Any friend you ever have. God's more important than any of it. Remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. They forget Him. You say, why do they forget Him? Well, we're dumb. I did it. I did it. I'm one of you. I was one of you. I'm not anymore. Amen. Things change. You better be careful, kids. You better be careful. You know what it says? Flee youthful lust. There's some things that you lust about when you're a youth that it ain't quite the same when you get older. Things bother you when you're young that don't bother you later on. Flee, it didn't say grown-up lust, it said youthful lust is what it said. There's something about a youth. You don't read about the older people having problems there. It was the young people right there. We've been working hard. We've been having, we've been having a... Don't worry about him. I got speakers out there. Oh, I thought he was going out there. <laughs> I'm on all of them. Hey, we've, uh, we've had a, we've got these youth programs going on. And what we're doing is we're trying to do stuff with our youth. We know it's a critical time for them. Tonight, we're having games and all kinds. Of, they got some cool stuff. Next week, they're going to the ultimate air, the trampoline. That's fun, you know. I mean, I don't care. That's, you can, that's fun, you know. And it's going to be good stuff, you know. On Sunday nights after church, we've been doing all kinds. This this year we're coming. We're going to have. And don't worry. Don't you teachers. Don't get too worried about. It. We've got a few weeks yet. We're not starting till about the very end of the month. But we got a new youth program. And it's going to be Wednesday night live. And I mean, you say that sounds like that's crazy. It won't be crazy. It'll be fun. Is what it's going to be. They'll still be preaching or teaching or whatever. Don't you worry about that. It ain't changing it crazy or anything like that. We're just updating some things. We're not going contemporary. You can mark that down too. We're not doing any of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying it's going to just kind of a little facelift of things. It's going to be something different for a while. Not the stale old same thing. I'm telling you, I'm excited about it. You say, why? Because we've invested a lot in our youth. It's in the youthful years that people mess up and they do wrong and they get out. Let me tell you, that's when you need in more than any other time. You need in in your youth. He was a young man. That's part of his problem. I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else I observed about him. He was set in a window. He sat, sat in a window. That's what it said about him. He was sitting in a window. It said in verse 9, there sat in a window. A window. Can you believe that? Don't worry, kids. I'm off y'all right now. Amen. <laughs> I got your point in. He sat in a window. I think about that. Can you imagine him sitting in a window, guys? A window. You Think about a window. All the church is going, he sits in a window. You say, why do you sit in a window? Well, that way you can look in here and watch going on in church, but you can see out there too. He's looking both ways. He can see inside, but he can see outside. He's paying attention to all of it. You know, there's a lot of people that way. There's a lot of people that are looking in the church, but they want to get in a spot where they can see what's going on in the world at the same time. They're paying attention to two different things. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You better be careful. The Bible says set your affections on things above. You better be careful on setting your affections on things in the world. Because the next thing you know, you'll be out the window is what will happen to you. You better pay attention. I remember uh, churches, I've preached in churches that have windows. And every time a car drives by, people turn and look. You know, I mean, they're looking at 
Can't hardly help it. I mean, it's just the way it is, you know. I preached at one church that had a big window up right behind the pulpit and the baptistry. It's a big window. There's some squirrels got fighting up here. And boy, people were, I, it didn't matter what I was praying. I was watching those squirrels fighting, you know. And I thought, well, my goodness, that's, that's a good place for a window, you know. I mean, I guess. I mean, now nobody's paying any attention to anything else, you know. But anyway, I'm not against windows. Windows are good. But the truth is you've got to be careful about that kind of stuff. He wanted to be able to see what was going on in the church and what was going on in the world at the same time. He was double-minded. You better be careful about this world. You get watching the world too much, you'll start looking like the world. You'll start acting like the world. That's the way it'll be. You'll start listening to what the world's listening to. You'll like what the world's talking about. There's all kinds of problems in the world. The Bible says, love not the world. That's what it says. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The Bible says, he that is a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I don't want to be the enemy of God. It didn't say we couldn't live in the world. It didn't say we couldn't interact in the world. We've just got to be very, very careful and not fall in love with the world. We've got to live in the world. That's the way it is. But our affection ought to be on God. And listen, we come here on Sundays, we come on Wednesdays, and the rest of the week you're in the world. You come in here to get recharged so you can make it another week. That's how we do things. It's very important. But you get out in the world, the next thing you know, you'll be part of the world. You'll look like the world. You'll be the world. You've got to be careful. Now you get preached on that, some people say, well, you know, I've had a bad past, I've done this in my past. We don't care what you've done in your past. Makes me no difference. We don't care. Everybody's got a past. Everybody's done things they're ashamed of. It's right now. Now's the time to make decisions to do right. To do right. And you kids, there's no reason to have a past. Just get in and serve God now. Serve Him now. That'd be a good thing. My wife, you know, so your wife, you think she's part? No, but you know what? She was raised right. She's never had alcohol touch her lips. Not one time. There's not a lot of adults in here who say that. There's some. There are others. And thank God for them. But you know what? You just do right while you're young. She ain't perfect. She'll be the first to tell you she's not perfect. I'm not trying to say that. But I think that's a good thing. I think that's something to be thankful for. That's a good thing. You know what? Don't even try it. Just stay away from it. Don't bother with it. One guy told me, he said, I didn't know I was an alcoholic, but I drank my first beer, and he said I couldn't stop. Is in his system, is just in his genetics, you know. You get other people, they'll try drugs one time, and they'll try meth. Or you got to be dumb to try meth now. You got to be, you got to, you got to be in a dumb part of your life. You got to agree with that. What's fun about that? And some people they can take meth, and they can take it and not even get hooked on it for a while. And then other people, they take it one time and it's got them. Ain't that right? It's weird. I don't understand. Everybody's made up differently. But you know what? If you'd stay away from it, you would never know that. And you could keep your teeth. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Get all those sores all off of you. Amen. It'd be good. Save you some money at the dentist. That's what that one. He said, the guy I said, why do you take meth? I was a friend of mine growing up. I said, why are you on that stuff? He said, man. He said, I don't have to eat for days. And he said, I don't want to sleep for days. I go, again. Why are you on that stuff? <laughs> I like to eat, don't y'all? <laughs> I enjoy eating. You say, well, I did that in my past. Well, I'm sorry. I hope you're not on it now. I'm for you. 
And if you are on it, I'm for you. I love you. I care about you. I don't want you to be on that stuff. But you can go down the line. There's all kinds of things. There's things that aren't drugs that are addictions. There's all kinds of things. But you better be careful about looking both ways. I noticed something else about O Eutychus here. Uh, o Eutychus. Well, I had some notes written down here. Oh, yeah. Let me get back on this. He was sitting there in the window. He was listening to preaching while he was there. But even though he was listening to preaching, he was too busy thinking about out there and in here at the same time. You can't really listen to preaching like that. Well, Brother Derek's up there preaching. Let me check my, see if anybody's on Instagram today. Check my Facebook status. You say, you're preaching against Facebook. I don't care if you have all that. Don't make me any difference. It's up to you. But my goodness, there ought to be a little bit of time where you can worship God without doing it. That stuff's almost an addiction. It can, be, it can overtake your life. Any of that kind of thing, you've got to be careful with it. People are so worried what everybody else thinks about them all the time. Nobody cares. It's crazy. Eutychus, he had more hanging out than he had hanging in. That's what happened to him. You know what else happened to him? He fell into a deep sleep, it tells us. That tells us that down there in verse 9. And he, being fallen into a deep sleep. There's probably a time when Eutychus, during his life, there's probably a time in his life where he was on fire for God. But it wasn't that day. That day, he fell asleep on God. I mean, you take that. We've had young people go through our youth group. I've seen them on fire for God. And the next thing you know, you see them come in. They're running around with the wrong crowd. They're not doing things that are right. And all of a sudden, they're falling out. You say, what's happened to them? They've gone into a deep sleep is what's happened to them. I've seen families come in here that were on fire for God. I mean, they got in. They never missed a service. And they did right. And they raised their family right. And then one day, Mama and Daddy just decided they didn't want to come to church all the time. And they got out and they missed for this and they missed for that. And they wonder why their family's going to hell. I'm telling you why. Because they won't get in. They're not on fire like they used to be. They've gone to sleep on God. They don't even know it. They're asleep at the wheel and they don't even realize they're asleep. What we need is some people that get right with God. I'm telling you, we need some people that do right. I bet he used to shout and prayed for his friends and sang and sang in the choir and who knows what he used to do. Some of you might have been that way. Some of you used to be that way. Well, there's some of you used to come in here and you're so excited to be here. I mean, every time the, the song would touch your heart, tears would roll down your face and you'd be excited. The preacher would say something or a visiting preacher even come in and you'd say, that's right, amen, preach it. Boy, that's good preaching right there. Man, we have super summer Wednesday nights. We can't even get half of you to come. We're trying to have something special and fun. Man, we ought to get in. I mean, there was a time where you used to be in all the way, but now some of you has gone to sleep on God. What happened to you? Boy, there's people that let things happen. I hate that. It's no good is what it is. Troubles, past, gets in your way. Don't need God like you used to. We got a lot of folks that come through the years and they'll get in trouble and this will happen, they'll happen like everybody does. Every family has it. It's just the way it is. If you have trouble in your family, nobody's looking down on you. You need to be in church just like everybody else. Every family goes through it. All of us. Nobody's exempt. But let me tell you something. Just because your troubles got better doesn't give you an excuse to get back out of church. You say, God, all right, thanks for fixing it, but I got it from here. Let me tell you something. You don't have it. When you had it, that's when trouble started. You better get back in and do what God wants you to do. Do you want your family to fall apart? Man, get in church and serve the Lord. Boy, that's what we need. People that will serve God and do right by God. The devil don't mind you coming to church as long as you come asleep. 
If he can let you go to sleep while you're here, it's all right. He don't mind you coming as long as you're sleeping while you're here. There's a lot of people that sleep. They sleep in their worship, sleep in their prayer life, sleep in their Bible study, sleep in their marriage. If you've been married less than 10 years, unless you're an older couple, if you're under 40 and you've been married less than in single digits, stand up together. I'm not after you, younger, you older folks, okay? <laughs> I'm really not after you either. But here's what I want to tell you something. The devil wants your marriage. We've had young families come to church and get in and do right by God. And the next thing you know, one of them goes the other way or both of them. It's, it's a divorce or something. I'm not even preaching against that, but it's both sides. There's always, there's fault on both sides, and we know that. And that's not what I'm preaching on. But I want you to know the devil wants your marriage. You take a young couple like that, if he could split them up, that'd be a good thing because they're, they're helping with some youth things and things like that. I'd want them split up real fast. I'd have her so mad at him and him so mad at her all the time they couldn't even get along. That's the devil. I'd get a young family like that right there. It's got all these good-looking kids and stuff. I'd get them. I'd, I'd get them a problem. I'd take old Jacob up there and Hannah right there, young family. They ought to be having kids by now. They've been married long. I mean, we need to, we're trying to build a church. Come on now. I mean, <laughs> I'd, take, I'd take a couple like that, and I'd say, you know what? They're here every time the doors are open. They come to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm going to have to do something about that. I've got to get that messed up right there. you got a good couple right here from Pocahontas, and, boy, they're good people right there. I wouldn't want that little boy right there. He's precious. Look at that boy. I mean, he's something else. But you know what? The devil don't want y'all together like that. He, don't, he wants that split up. and him. No, he don't want that. You take his family right here. This guy right here about died, I mean, basically. I mean, he was dead and come back. I mean, I'm telling you, he has some kind of story right here. When I say he died, literally, he was in the hospital. It was bad. And he came back. And God gave him a second chance. And here he is. They brought him back. And I'm telling you, boy, the devil don't like them. They're here every time. And you take all these back here. You take old Zach and Maddie. You know the devil hates them. They're teaching a Sunday school class for crying out loud. Wouldn't it be good if those kids could see that couple right there just split up and that way the devil could say, look at there, it's, it's not what it's cracked up to be. You got Sunday school teachers here out there. My God, stay in. Don't you quit. None of you. Every single one of you is important. You're part of this church. We've got to have you. God wants you. The church needs you. Your kids need you. Other people are watching. Don't you let the devil. You can sit down. Thank you all. These are good people. I could keep going down the road. Every one of them, they're good people. I love them. I care about them. we got to have you. You better be careful. The devil's after you. I've seen people married 50 years, and we just don't get along. If you made it 50 years, just go ahead and finish it out, okay? Come on. What's that? (laughs) She told him, she said, I told you, let's just finish it out. I'm a... See, she's going to stay with you after all, it looks like. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it would be hard for him to train another one, yeah. I told my wife, I said, you turn 40, I'm turning you into for 220s. She said, you're not wired for 220. <laughs> That's exactly right. Amen. I think I'm just going to keep her. Amen. Well, let me say one last thing. When he had more hanging out and he had hanging in, he was taken up dead. He was taken up dead. You better wake up before you can't wake up. Sometimes it goes too far. He was in a deep sleep. Somebody should I mean, you know, I just got to say this. I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, and I know it. 
But the Apostle Paul, you got to admit, that guy had to be able to preach. <laughs> you think he couldn't preach? God was all over that guy. <laughs> I mean, if the Apostle Paul came today, I'd say, folks, I'm going to sit down. We're going to let him preach. And, and uh, we wouldn't have been. you say, well, what about lunch and stuff? I'd kept my mouth shut. I'm just, I mean, you do what you want. I'm staying until it gets done. <laughs> That's just, I mean, it's the way it'd be, you know. Because, I mean, that's the Apostle Paul. But he's not here, so we are breaking. Amen. <laughs> and, and so we don't have to worry about that. But I think it wasn't the preaching because that's one of the greatest preachers to ever live. It was Eutychus. So many of us. I've been in that place in my life. That's one reason I can preach on this like I do. I've been in that place in my life where I was in a deep sleep, fell out dead. Thank God I got back up, though. Thank God. There were people there. You know what happened? He had more hanging out than he had hanging in. But the Bible says Paul fell down and embraced him. People love you. They care about you. Just because you're down and out. Let me tell you something. If you're out in the world and seeing stuff, that don't mean we don't love you. We still love you. Don't you ever think, well, I can't go back to church. They'll judge. We're not judging you. We want you here. It's the best place for you to be. We'll embrace you to come back. We've had people out for years and come back. One time there was a lady got out, and I mean, it was bad, and she'd come back, and somebody said, I can't believe she'd come back. I said, you watch your mouth. I said, this is where she ought to be. Go shake her hand, hug her neck, tell her we're glad she's here. That's the way it is. We want them here. I don't care how many times you've been down. You come back. You're welcome here. We want to have you back here. But don't you get out so far that you can't come back. One of these days, it'll be that way. He had more hanging out than he had hanging in. Now, I can't talk about you families, but you can observe yourself. Every daddy and mama in here, every husband and wife, every teenager, every man or woman, married or not married, makes a difference. Why don't you think right now in your mind, think, do I got more hanging out than I got hanging in? Am I in church like I ought to be? Am I serving God like I ought to be? Was there a time in my life where I served him more than I'm serving him now? Think about that. I can't make nobody do nothing. If I would, if I could. Because I care about people, and I care about you. But more importantly than that, God cares about you. What y'all do is say, you know what? I'm going to get away from that window is the first thing I'm going to do. And I'm going to tell my kids, hey, kid, quit looking out that window and look up here. There's nothing good for you out inside that, that window. Look in here. Keep your eyes where they need to be. That'll help you. Let's stand together. We've got a wonderful church. It really is. It's just wonderful. Good people. Good people. And I'm thankful for everybody in here. I really am. Very thankful for you. But boy, I'm preaching a message this morning not to hurt people, but to help people. I want to help you. I hope you got more hanging in than you got hanging out. If you don't, change the way you're sitting there. Turn it around. God, with God's help, you can do it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you thanking you for all you do for us. And may you bless us this morning, bless the service, and help us. Thank you for Jesus and him dying for us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.